Welcome to the Sports Memory Podcast. It is the week of Thanksgiving, one of the best football weeks of the year. We got a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about Frank Gore surpassing Barry Sanders and whether or not he belongs in the Hall of Fame. We're going to discuss the rematch between the Steelers and the Browns after the now infamous Miles Garrett Mason Rudolph incident. Mr. Jerry Jones took a shot at Jason Garrett this week. We're going to talk about the implications of that for the rest of the Cowboys season. We're going to recap some of the games from last week, and we are, of course, going to give you our picks for this week. San Francisco at Baltimore, possibly a Super Bowl preview. Could this be the most ridiculous Vegas line of the year? It's another beautiful week of football. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's get this shit started. So welcome, welcome, folks. It is Wednesday night. One of the best nights of the year, I would say. Uh, It is Thanksgiving Eve, the night where everybody comes back home that went out of town. Uh, Everybody seems to just go out tonight and just get wasted. Uh, Unfortunately, because of that, we are not recording at a bar like we have been uh, in recent weeks. So bear with us. If you hear some loud noises in the background, it's because we are recording this right now in my backyard, uh, which I love because it's beautiful outside, but there is a little bit of noise in the background, but there also is some of the bar. I am your host, Drew Forbes, and I am joined, as always, uh, by Marcus Anthony and Newman. How we doing, boys? What's going on? Big holiday tomorrow. Big games. Are you guys getting best, drunk tonight? Best week of the year. Yes, I think it, it really is. Short like, short work day, Monday. Short work day, like, you mm-hmm. know, you're leading into a short week, one Monday, Tuesday. Yep. Wednesday, if you got to work, it's sometimes you get out early, whatever. You go out, you party Wednesday night, you get Thursday, all the food, all the fixings. You get the most games televised football games this week out of any week of the year uh then you got you know friday there's rivalry weekend in college football saturday and then sunday's got the nfl slate you get a full full slate of nfl games too i love it and also very importantly uh everyone's flirting with playoffs and fantasy football it's it's coming down to the crunch it's more important for us now than it is in the nfl but it's game time really is we we all have contenders in one league or the other. It doesn't really matter. Um, obviously, man, I started out 4-0 in our main league, and I've lost eight in a row, which is the most epic collapse I've ever seen by anybody, quite frankly, um, because it was looking pretty definitive that I had the best team. And then OBJ, Devontae Adams, I, I, I don't even want to talk about it. Let's move on. Um, so Wednesday night, this is the year, like I said, everyone goes out and just gets wasted tonight. I'm planning on getting pretty shitty tonight. Uh, what about you, Marcus? What do you, are, you, are, you, are you going out tonight? Are you going um, out with us? I'm going to be doing shots as soon as we get done uh, talking cool. about sports. Uh, so start some beers now, but uh, it's going down tonight for sure. Agreed. Let's do it. Raging all night. I even Ubered here just to be a responsible adult. Oh, Go man. As, as did I. As did I. Well, then you're – I don't even know if I can applaud you for that, but I, I guess thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like we were talking about, well, let's, let's just say, I mean – Thanksgiving, food, drinking, games. Is there any better day? I mean, is there any better day of the year than Thanksgiving? Honestly, it's my favorite holiday. Um, I'm not frowned upon for being fat. And um, <laughs> and by the way, this is also a reminder to turn your scales back 10 pounds, feast away, and enjoy yourself. Yep. And, let, and everyone light a candle tonight for all the toilets across America because Friday has got to be I want to know the statistics on flushes flush increases on the Friday after Thanksgiving and in if there was some way to weigh all the 
the dumps uh, across the United States. I want to see how it, yeah. I want to see the curics of the dumps and how they fluctuate on Thanksgiving. Emergency plumbing calls. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one of the biggest stories of this week, uh, Frank Gore passes Barry Sanders uh, for third all-time, I believe. Uh, obviously incredibly impressive. Or is it? Obviously it is because of longevity, but we're talking um, Barry Sanders retired at age 30. Uh, Frank Gore is now 36 years old. I thought he was 98, but close enough. Wait, wait what? <laughs> 98. Wait, wait, he started in 46, right? 64. Was that <laughs> yep, yep. yep. Something like that. So it's it's uh, Frank Gore's 86th season, and um, he finally went across and, and, and surpassed Barry Sanders. I mean, let me ask you a couple different questions. Number one, does, how much longer does Frank Gore have? This is probably going to be his last year. Um, it should be, hopefully. Um, I, th- I think by now he's got to have 1394 concussions. Um, I actually was reading somewhere, uh, I might have wrote it down, but that he's he's starting to use Velcro cleats so he doesn't have to tie it from all the concussions. <laughs> I'm certain that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're joking about that. Um, anyway, I think Frank Gore, you know, he... he I don't know. He seems like he could still play to me. Somebody's probably going to sign him and be like, hey, we're going to draft a young running back, and we'll just have him start the beginning of the season and tail him out. And he, he provides veteran leadership and all that other good stuff. Uh, so, you know, as long as he wants to play, he's probably going to. Um, the question is when he decides to hang it up. Uh, I'm not sure in terms of how many yards he needs, but all he's got is uh, Walter Payton and Emmett Smith left, right? Yep. Go for number one, Frank. You can do it. I think he's got a ways to go on Smith, but yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. Like if, if he can get the second, that would be crazy. Yeah, I think I think he's still about four four thousand yards yeah. short of Emmett Smith. It's not gonna um, happen. But he's within two thousand. But at the rate it's going, you're looking at three four years. And hey hey, more more power to him if he does. Um, but I think I think Adrian Peterson plays even longer than Gore. Um, like I, I think I think Adrian Peterson plays till he's like thirty eight. Like you're gonna have to drag. Adrian Peterson out of the league, just like you're going to have to drag Frank Gore. Now, here's my thing about Frank Gore, though. If he does continue, teams need to have frank conversations with him because what I've read about Frank Gore is that he's such a hard worker that he like basically insists on these reps. And quite frankly, he's taking away from Devin, uh, Devin Singletary. Singletary. Like, absolutely. I mean, if you look at Devin Singletary, he is going to be a really good running back in the NFL. He's dynamic. He and and from a fantasy perspective, trust me, I have him. It's so frustrating watching Frank Gore take these goal line carries because if you look at Devin Singletary, like he he might be the I, I, this 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 might be out there, but he might be the best running back in that entire class. Uh, Count yeah, wise, there there you're not wrong in terms of that saying that as a potential opportunity there for him. And there's a lot of people that were actually even saying that from the very beginning. Yeah. There are some people that thought that he was the best running back in that draft class, scouts and GMs alike. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of tough, especially when you make that transition to college and pro, especially with someone that you want there for a long, long time. For there's, sure. o- there's obviously two methods of thinking. Uh, maybe in that first year, you want to take some of those blows just so your body can adapt to the difference of impact from college to pros um, and kind of see how he responds as the year goes forward. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like a in, a, in in a sense of splitting carries, you can kind of look at it as um, a quarterback that comes in and they will not play him for the year. They want him to learn and experience it. And limiting those carries could, carries could be like in the same like realm, if you will, um, as far as the running backs are concerned. Well, keep them hot for the playoffs because it certainly does look like Buffalo is going to go into the playoffs. But back to Frank Gore. 
Let's just ask the question that has been asked all over the place, um, and I'm really curious to get your guys' take on this. Uh, does Frank Gore belong in the Hall of Fame? Um, for me, it's an absolute yes. Um, yeah, he wasn't the absolute elite, but he had a long stretch where he was a, a perennial Pro Bowl running back. Um, and actually, uh, when we started talking about these topics going into tonight, I did a little extra research. Did you know that Frank Gore averages more yards per carry than Emmett Smith? Um, let, I can definitely believe that. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he absolutely does. Um, so he's he, he's in the – actually, in Curtis Martin, I believe, uh, he's flirting with the yards per year as Curtis Martin. Um, and then you start looking at some of the running backs they got in recently. Um, Terrell Davis, very short span, but was one of the elites. Um, if he won't be a, he won't be a first ballot, I don't believe it. Also depends on the class that he goes with. But I mean, if you're a top tier guy, maybe not the elite one, but you have that long of a career, I think you're very well deserving of making the hall. Newman, yeah. So I'm looking at it right now. Uh, pulled up his Pro Football Reference. He had uh, five years in which he was a Pro Bowler. Um, three of those years came back to back to back in San Francisco. Uh, at ages 28, 29, and 30, so your peak years for running back. And then he had one as a 23-year-old running back um, where he, you know, really blew up, but then uh, the rest of the team kind of regressed after that. Um, you know, this is kind of tough for me. It's To some degree, he's an accumulator, obviously. He's been around for, very, for a very long time. Um, he has one, two, three, four... Uh, 10 plus thousand yard rushing seasons. You know, I'm going to go ahead and give him a green light. He, he averages a thousand yards per season in his career, so that, that, that's solid for me. Um, I'm going to say no, and here's why. I, I, I have a certain criteria that I've always used for Hall of Fame, so at least it, if, if nothing else, you can say that I'm consistent in that. And here, here's, here's my criteria for getting in the Hall of Fame in the NFL because there's so few slots to get in the Hall of Fame. I think you have to limit it. And one of the things that I think is an absolute must is that you have to be the best at your position at least at one point in your career. And and as I look at his stats, besides his second year, which, by the way, uh, I believe LT was still very much uh, the best running back in the NFL when that happened. That was LT's peak. Yeah. So um, I, I, I look at this, and I see a pretty average career. Second year, 1695. He had a, he had a monster second year. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And I remember from a fancy perspective, he was pretty overrated for like the next seven seasons. His next seasons, 1102, 1036, 1120, 853, 1211, 1214. So super consistent. Um, honestly, his career, if you think Curtis Martin belongs in the hall, uh, then absolutely Frank Gore belongs in the hall. I think it is debatable whether or not Curtis Martin belongs in the hall, quite frankly. Uh, and, and again, I, I have a pretty strict – because. You look at these players that are waiting in line to get in the hall, and it's going to get worse and worse. I mean, it's going to get harder and harder and harder to get in the hall. I think that you have to come up with some really strict criteria going forward. And for me, you have to be the best in your position at any point in your career, and he never was. Yeah, so I'm going to fight you on that Curtis Martin thing. Obviously, you're you know you're aware that I'm a big Curtis Martin fan. Yeah. Curtis Martin put up 10 consecutive seasons, his first 10 years in the league, where he put up 1,000 yards rushing. Mm -hmm. I think he had, like, two or three lost fumbles throughout his entire career. Yep. He was the backbone of multiple teams, and he was a significant portion of those offenses, even if he was never the best player at his position in the league. Um he w was the best player on many of the teams that he played on, and he took many teams to playoffs and even a Super Bowl with the Patriots. So, Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's, it's a very subjective discussion. Um, you have to come up with the criteria. 
criteria. If you believe in longevity and if you believe that believe that gets you in the hall, then absolutely Frank Gore should be in the hall. Uh, I personally do not. I think that it has to be greatness. And with the line of people that are going to be waiting in the hall by the time he's up, I mean, he, he'll he he'll probably be eligible for the hall in like, what, like 30, 66? Um, so, <laughs> so, I mean, it's going to be really, really, that's like, that's going to be like Peyton Manning's like son, 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 son will just be getting into the hall at by that time. And I think it's going to be a crowded mix for Frank Gore. They're probably going to have to expand it. They are expanding it this year, right? Just for this year, for the yeah, uh, the, I, which I think is great, man. There's there's some special year. There's some people that just are, are clogged up. Let me ask you another question: Does Steve Smith belong in the hall? Now, while, while we're on the discussion, Steve Smith never the best wide receiver in the league. Are you sure that he was never? I think he had a couple years where he was absolutely dynamic. Steve Smith's uh, prime was right around uh, Randy Smith's prime, Randy Moss's prime. So I, would, I, I, I think he, he, he had a couple years. Not. I think when Randy Moss had some down years, though. Um, Specifically, my favorite Steve Smith memory is the year that him and Chad Johnson, I think he was at the time, had the uh, the, the touchdown celebration off where they were just going back and forth, which, because both of them played at the same, like, junior college or something. Imagine that junior college quarterback you have those two guys to throw to. But, yeah, the other thing is Steve Smith was the best player at his position for a period of time. Uh, that may have not been the wide receiver position, but he was also an outstanding kick returner and went to, I think, a couple Pro Bowls before he ever actually really got a shot to play receiver as a kick returner. Marcus? No, he's a tweener for me. Um, he definitely shined for a couple years, just as Frank Gore did. Um, but, I mean, he did play for a long, long time. Um, they're, they're both tweeners, truthfully, for me. Uh, I do think they get in, but that's just more of my broad perspective. Um, everyone's got their own, own criteria, but the only one that matters are the, the ones that are putting them in Canton. Yeah, um, Steve Smith is a really tough one for me. I love Steve Smith. He's such a good commentator, by the way. I want to see so many Steve Smith interviews going forward. He, he asks these tough-ass questions. He puts people on their back. He goes up to rookies. He said to DJ Moore. He basically like called DJ Moore out. He's like, I have you on my fantasy team. I don't even think I'm going to start you. <laughs> and dude, DJ Moore's had a great season. I, I really think Steve Smith's uh, presence in Carolina has has kind of boosted him. Um, but, yeah. I, I 2005, Steve Smith. Uh, 16 games, 150 targets, 103 catches, which led the league, 1,563 receiving yards, which led the league, 12 touchdowns, which led the league, 15.2 yards per reception, um, and he was an all-pro and uh, pro bowler that year, 2005. See, but, but for me, it'll be, it'll be about who is he up against when he goes into the hall. So I'll, I'll be curious to see that uh, because, honestly, I, he may have been the, the best wide receiver in the league for one season, but you have guys like you know Randy Moss, Adrian Peterson that were the best player at the position for many, many years. Uh, there's a lot of deserving offensive tackles that are coming up uh, soon. I think to, go into the hall I think that, that were the to best speak to Steve Smith's credit in that respect, he played with some pretty bad or mediocre quarterbacks. Jake Delhomme was his quarterback probably for his. That's peak, a great point. And he was. And where's Jake Delhomme fall in terms of your quarterback class? Randy Moss get to play with the goat Tom Brady. He got to play with Dante Culpepper at his very peak in an offense that was absolutely taking the league by storm. Easy now. So. I'm, I'm not saying Randy Moss to me is number two all time in terms of wide receivers. Yeah. I'm not comparing the two, but I'm just saying, like, if you give some of those players, if he had a chance to actually play with peak Tom Brady, Steve Smith might be a be, might have a you know even better statistics than he does now. 
Randy Moss is the greatest talent to ever play the position, and nobody will ever be able to convince me otherwise. Um, and, and he burned three of his best years in Oakland. So to say that you know he always played with great quarterbacks is just not true. I'm not saying that he always did, but I'm saying Steve Smith never did. You want to know, so uh, we posted a Jeff George meme today, and so me and my dad got to talking about Jeff George. And one of, one of uh, uh, sorry, no, I wasn't talking to my dad about it. Um, I just started looking up Jeff George because I remember the 99 season when Jeff George played for the Vikings, and he was the perfect fit for Randy Moss because he had rocket arm but no accuracy. With Randy Moss, you needed no accuracy. You just heaved it and, and just, just in the vicinity, he was going to go get it. Um, I love that year so much. Uh, that, that, that year was incredible, and that was a match made in heaven. If you had, like, Jay Cutler and Randy Moss, or, like, Dan, oh, Dan, can you imagine Dan Marino and Randy Moss? I, I, believe, oh I believe Brett Favre wanted him at one point in time, which yeah. I would have loved to see. For no, a Brett lot of, Favre a lot had him. Points in time. Well, well, yeah, when, when, when it was with the Vikings the second time. But I meant, like, when Brett Favre was with the Packers, he, he really wanted them to go get Randy Moss. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, dude. Why wouldn't he? And yeah, when he went when he went back to the Vikings after the Patriots, and Brad Childress had this rip. Uh, I'll never forget. Brett Favre threw a touchdown pass to Randy Moss, and I was like, "This is like something out of a dream." <laughs> when it, they, they were playing the Jets, we actually we actually lost to the Jets that game. Uh, so he was only in and he was only in and out for one one game. But I just remember being like, "Is this real life?" Brett Favre is throwing passes to Randy Moss. Like, holy shit! Is this Madden? It it really it really was like a dream. So. Uh, another big story from this week, obviously the Miles Garrett situation. I can't get enough of that situation. It's meme gold. I don't know. Did you guys see the the video I posted about the uh, the yes the, with the with the the dub over? Yes, it was, it was great. It's freaking hilarious. The the parts I, I, lo- I love the guy's white white guy voices when the offensive tackle steps in and he's like, "What? What do you want to do? Square up, man!" <laughs> so ridiculous. But anyways, uh, in the news this week. The owner of the Browns, by the way, the Browns are playing the Steelers this week, was seen wearing a Miles Garrett hat. What What are your guys' thoughts on that? that that's. Do uh, you think that was an accident, or do you think that was uh, very much intentional? Zero percent chance it was an accident. That entire city loved every bit of it, and they mm-hmm. should. Uh, we're, not, we're not talking about the event itself, but this is a team that was that's been so terrible for deck for so long, and and they were so hyped going into the season and just have underperformed, and now now they seem to th- have things rolling. Yeah, let, let's get the city sparked because everyone everyone's contributing to you financially is going to be behind it. So, yeah, it was, it was on purpose. It's a good move. Uh, you're supporting your player. You're supporting your city, and um, that, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, uh, I didn't actually see it, but as far as I'm concerned, if the owner wants to support him, obviously that's his prerogative. It's not a great look uh, to be supporting somebody that goes through a, a, that does a heinous crime. That's actually that should have been a crime. Um, and I mean, I get all the other aspects surrounding it and stuff like that, and you want to potentially support your player, but there, there's better ways to do it than just throw on a hat and try to make it look like you're just respecting your player that way. Because we all know, at the end of the day, the owners don't really care about their players, so. I mean, it, is it a is it a crime to have a cheap shot on a wide receiver that's about to catch a pass and sever their spine, like has happened multiple times in the NFL? Do you think? I'm I'm just saying, when you're on the NFL field, is it a little bit different? Because you get you like we talked about it last week, you get kicked kicked the balls twice, 
and you, you've been playing a whole game where you're trying to move other people's bodies around. Testosterone is so high. I'm not saying what he did is right, but it is a little bit understandable. That's all I'm saying. I, it's, I, don't, I certainly don't think it's a crime. The swinging of the helmet with intent to do something of that, especially hitting a guy in the head with it, to me takes he it He hit up. him on the bottom, with the bottom of the helmet, which could have been intentional. I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, he, he could have easily flipped that really quick and hit him on the back if he wanted to. I think he intentionally hit him with the bottom of the helmet. When, when adrenaline's running and emotions are running high, uh, you heard Pouncey say it. Sometimes in, like, those high, intense moments, you black out and you just react. And and I've, I'm a Steelers fan. Um, also I've, a man that's been in many fights. Yeah, and also a man that's <laughs> been in many fights, so I can very much relate. Um, you know, sometimes you just... You just rely on your your natural instinct and what it was to it was it retaliate and yeah I didn't obviously I didn't like seeing it um, but I I prob I'm not gonna say I wouldn't have done something just as bad because I've I've had my my fair share or two. Oh man, you get kicked in the balls twice and like I said, it's not it's not <laughs> acceptable. What he it, I, for real though, you get kicked in the dick, Jesus. Uh, but yeah, so Sheldon Richardson also tweeted and he's basically like we we hope that. Uh, uh, what's his name? Mason starts. Rudolph plays. Mason Rudolph starts. Which, by the way, for so many reasons, other than just this situation, uh, the Steelers starting Duck Hodges is, like, the only play this week. Uh, so, I like... So, so in context, I actually watched the full interview of that where, where Sheldon Richardson was asked that question, and they were talking about, you know, did you see what happened with uh, Mason Rudolph today? He got pulled, blah, blah. Do you think he starts next week? And he said, yeah, I hope he starts. Did you see how he played? He's like he's a bad football player. I want him. I want him to play so that we can go beat him. He also had a tweet about it though too, which kind of added more gasoline onto the fire. Hey, spark him up. <laughs> spark it up. All right. So another story that was clearly in the, uh, the Cowboys Patriots game. I don't know why there's so much heat on the Cowboys. That was a difficult game to win in Foxborough with the weather. Everything played in the Patriots' hands. Um, did they make mistakes? Yeah, but. It's very understandable that they lost. Now I get now there are other there are other losses that the Cowboys had that are not acceptable this year. But Jerry Jones coming after Jason Garrett, good idea, bad idea. What, what do you think? I th- I'm I'm in the same kind of same boat as the Browns owner, kind of you know making a gesture for Miles Garrett. Hell yeah, spark him up. You know maybe I, I'm not saying Jason Garrett's complacent, but sometimes you just need a spark, and it doesn't always have to come on the field. Um, you get him fired up, even just you get him tweaked just a little bit, then he's then he relays it to his players, and it's crunch time. So if 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 he can't handle you, um, you know, coming at him, then he's not your guy. Um, it's 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 do or die. It really is for the Cowboys at this point. I think Jason Garrett might actually be the longest tenured head coach in the history of Jerry Jones' ownership. Yeah. Um, most of the time, he was not stand for mediocre, and he's gotten mediocre out of Jason Garrett a lot. For sure. So that, the fact that Jason Garrett is still the head coach of the Cowboys, to me, I'm, I'm wondering if he's got some blackmail that on Jason, on Jerry Jones, and that's why he is still the head coach. Because I remember I remember him firing, you know, he fi- well, he fired every single head coach other than, what, Parcells eventually retiring? Um, in Cowboys history. So, you know, it, for him to still be around this long, if Jerry Jones wants to turn up the heat and be like, hey, we're going to move in a different direction if you can't figure this out, for me, he's well within his rights to do that. Right. Now, um, the Cowboys, they weren't that good at the beginning of uh, Garrett's tenure. Like, they just weren't as talented. Right. They, they're very talented now. Um, I'm pretty sure, about 99.5%, that he is the 
he's had the second longest run out of any current coach in the NFL that hasn't won a Super Bowl. Second to Mike Tomlin. And it's not even like he's been that great as a, as a as a head coach. No, they they're not consistently a playoff average. contender. Uh, they lose games that they shouldn't. Um, and a lot of that you can put on the coaching. There was plenty of those opportunities that they could have had to win some of those games with better play calling. And you're the head coach. You're an offensive guy. The only one that ever believes in the Cowboys year in and year out is the media. <laughs> it's so weird. Like ESPN is all over Cowboys dick. Dude, I was all over the, the, the Eagles to win the division. I still think there's a good chance that the Eagles do win the division, quite frankly. Uh, if you look at the schedule down the road, the Cowboys got a tough road. It does not get any easier for them. Um so let's say Jason Garrett gets fired, and and by the way, I believe that you should give Jason Garrett heat. The way that Jerry Jones did it was so silly. You got to go and win a game now on a short week. That's what that's my biggest problem with the situation is. If if you want to put heat on Garrett, why do it publicly? What does that serve you? There's already been things in the news that have said that Garrett is basically losing control of the locker room. Do you think that improves the situation? It, I, I think he's does, setting the table so that he can fire him if they were to lose on the, Thursday. They can still make the playoffs. They can still easily win the division. They'll have a they'll have a home game. They can get it together. It, it's it's a poor move on his part. Like, what owner has ever done that and it works out well for them during the season? It never works out because no owners are like Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones' presence over the last twenty years has been way more destructive than it's been good for the Cowboys. I agree. He he bought the team at the exact right time. Obviously they they had they had the run that they did. Uh, and then let's not forget Jerry Jones because he's such a piece of shit lost one of the greatest coaches in football history. I'm not even going to say NFL history in football history because of the rift that he had with Jimmy Johnson. Who okay, knows yeah. how much longer they could have went if if Jerry Jones wouldn't have been this piece of shit because he was all, they, always they, on the sidelines. They side may lines. have won like five Super Bowls it, or six. Who absolutely. Knows? It would have been a Patriots-like dynasty through the 90s, and it was a great dynasty, three Super Bowls. I mean, no, nobody's going to argue with that, but, I mean, that's the thing is he has done so much bad to that franchise, and yet still – Number one franchise in all of sports. We're talking English Premier League, everything. Print money. Despite Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones has not had anything to do with that. I mean, they're still riding the 90s success. Uh, bring back Quincy Carter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're we're going to skip over the Haskins thing. I don't even think it's really that interesting. Um, but Monday Night Football, Lamar Jackson, holy shit. Just absolute destruction of the Rams. And honestly... I've had my doubts about the Rams. That only increases my doubts of the Rams. You're starting a franchise today. Who's the first guy you take? I'm still going to take Mahomes. Uh, I think he has a way higher upside. Um, and his, he's, he has a much uh, less risky floor. Yeah. Um, Lamar Jackson, to me, as great as he is, for the most part, he is a one-read quarterback and mm-hmm. run. Uh, if teams start taking away that one read, I want to see what he does in terms of developing as a passer. And then at some point in time, there's no such thing as an old running quarterback in the NFL. That's the old adage, right? Why? Because they take so many hits. Now, he, he's done a really good job of avoiding most of those hits, and he hasn't really taken anything serious. But it just takes one, right? It, all he needs is one injury to his leg or any leg injuries for that matter. And leg injuries tend to have a lingering effect throughout the course of your, your career. If you get multiple of them, they absolutely pile up and he just won't be as dynamic as a player. So to me, Mahomes, you're not going to be able to like that arm talent is going to be around for decades. Right. 
this is an absolute 100 million percent no-brainer for me. Uh, Mahomes is a super special talent, athletic enough to run, but man, his cannon is insane. Uh, Lamar Jackson, and I don't want to hear anyone scoffing, he is a dynamic runner, but he is just more a more athletic Alex Smith to me. Um, he, he, he can't throw in tight windows. He's very inaccurate when it comes to throwing downfield. Um, Greg Roman has done a fantastic job with him. There's no doubt about it. I think Greg it. Roman may be uh, offensive coordinator like, of it's, the year, uh, non-head coach. There, there's no question. He, he did a hell of a job with Kaepernick. We do remember that. Um, but it is a one-read uh, offense. And the, if, you, if you watch that game, the, everything was so wide open. And they do have a lot of good pieces. Um, but Lamar Jackson, he just he's not accurate enough downfield to complement his his athletic ability um, as for the long term he, he, he might win an MVP but Cam Newton won an MVP and and we saw what's what's happened in the last four years since then true um, yeah I mean running quarterbacks can be good to like what 30 Michael Vick had a great year his uh, when he was 30 with the Eagles honestly I, I think Lamar Jackson has a great career I, I, I think that this whole thing about him getting figured out, I think it's really overplayed. Uh, what here, Here's what the Ravens need to do. They need to just continuously Sign invest. Sign Antonio, Antonio Brown. How about that? They, they, need to, they, they need to continuously invest in their offensive line, right? That needs to be almost all, like, half their picks, you know, they, they're like the Steelers where they, they should only draft linebackers and, <laughs> and, and offensive linemen. But for real, I, I think Lamar Jackson is not – is it gimmicky? Yes, but it, I think it's a gimmick that can last for a long time because I have a lot of faith in John Harbaugh. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but after they draft Lamar Jackson, I mean, John John Harbaugh, I don't think it, that that shit was like some master plan. I think it just fell into their lap, and that's when he went out and got Greg Roman, uh, who his brother obviously had with 49ers with Colin Kaepernick running the pistol. That pistol, I mean, he's bringing it back, and, and Kaepernick got figured out, but he got figured out after – Jim Harbaugh left. So after the Harbaugh like presence was gone, then he became less effective. I think Lamar Jackson is effective for the next seven years. I think he's a dominant player. He's going to be a consistent top two quarterback in fantasy, no doubt about it. Right? Like Michael, remember Michael Vick, uh, the year that Matthew Berry was like, go out and get him number one overall. He broke his leg that year because Matthew Berry's an <laughs> idiot. Uh, never take any of that guy's advice, but. This debate is not even close. You go out and take Patrick Mahomes, and here's why. Like you guys are saying, like Lamar Jackson, he he's really good. He's super talented, but yes, he's a run. He's a one-read quarterback, which I think can be successful for a very long time. Oh, I, th- he, I, th- I think that he, they can. It, it, he's going to be very yes. successful for for a stretch of time, but in the really difficult games, that's when that's when that stuff comes into play. And and we'll see if he can pull it off. And can he adapt in game? Mahomes can adapt to anything because Mahomes doesn't even have to run. We've seen him limited on his knee when he's hesitant to run. Or his and ankle. he's still he could be a dominant pocket passer. He could be a guy that could just maneuver around the pocket. Like he could have a devastating Teddy Bridgewater like injury and still be a great player. That's that's how much I think of Mahomes. And the most underrated thing about Mahomes, one of you guys mentioned it, is he has a freaking cannon. Probably the strongest arm in the NFL. And and, and, and his his release is just unreal. Just so fast, just quick on the on on the go. Can can launch these sixty yard just bombs. He's got a Marino release with a Vic cannon. I I, I say it all the time. Insane. He's 
he's the most talented player I've ever seen in my life. I would, I'm never going to bet against that guy, and until anybody convinces me that I should, I never will. Uh, I, I think that obviously he has a little bit of boost with Andy Reid, but I think that that was just a match made in heaven was them finding each other. I think Patrick Mahomes succeeds regardless. Uh, if he goes to Andy Reid's offense or not, he's that talented. I love that guy. Obviously, I, I, I just absolutely adore that guy, and I, I talk about it all the time. But Patrick Mahomes all day long. Uh, because of his ability, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is still a great quarterback when he's 33. That's the thing. Probably later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see him having a Breeze-like career or, yeah. or Peyton Manning. Like, even once the arm strength starts to fade off, he'll have learned and IQ-wise become a better quarterback yeah. because of it. Especially playing with a guy like Andy Reid, you're going to learn a lot of really good things in terms of understanding offense and playing right. football. Uh, before we move on real quick, I would just want to touch on one thing. Ozzie Smith, who's one of the best GMs of all time, uh, his last ever first-round draft pick, the number 32 overall pick that he traded up for mm-hmm. to acquire so that they could take Lamar Jackson in the first round and also gain the extra fifth, fifth year, year of uh, contract control. One of the best picks he probably ever made. Ravens have a good parting gift on Ozzie Smith. Yeah, Ozzie Smith is just incredible. Like, you can't say enough about that Amazing. guy. Amazing. That guy's ridiculous. Um... But, yeah, so let's talk about the Pats-Cowboys game a little bit. Uh, just a couple of quick hits. Cooper only had two targets the entire game, one of the most talented wide receivers in the league. They passed early despite the field conditions, despite the weather. Here's my biggest problem with the game. Out of all the mistakes that the Cowboys make, and this is why Garrett needs to be fired. Not right now. you got to ride him out. Like It's, it's not going to improve their situation if, if they fire him right now. you got to ride him out for the rest of the year, and then absolutely he should be fired. But my biggest problem with that game is at the very, very end, they drive all the way down. And, yeah, they have the, 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 the bullshit penalty or whatever that influenced the game, and, and that's a completely separate, separate talk, topic altogether. But kicking a field goal with six minutes left against the Patriots to give them the ball back with – a four-point lead, dude. Right when that happened, I, I think Jackie was in the room with me, and I go, "Why? Why are you doing this?" Absolutely, you, the wrong you decision. are giving the Patriots the game because nobody grinds down minutes at the end of a game and maintains possession like the Patriots. I knew exactly what they're going to do. They did exactly what I knew they were going to do: drive all the way down to the field, hold the ball. What are you guys' thoughts when, when, when they teed up for that field goal? It, it was an insanely dumb decision to try to, to try to attempt the field goal right there. Um, and going back to that Amari Cooper, uh, Amari Cooper thing, like, I know it's in here and we're playing on touching on it, but how the fuck good is Stephon Gilmore? He's so good. I think he should be an MVP candidate. Straight up. I know, I know it's unheard of for cornerbacks to, to even be considered, but how can that guy not be? One of the most dominant quarterbacks I've ever seen. He shuts it down. Um, as an evaluator, I was just laughing at the Cowboys because I hate him. As a gambler, I adored it. I took the Cowboys plus one and a half in the second half. And no, but honestly, like take take the gambling element out of it all. Like, because we're, we're, we're talking about it's, Garrett. It's, it's, a ter- it's a terrible, it's a terrible decision, right? Decision. Terrible. It's, it's, Four it's, points. It's, what do you gain? You're still a touchdown down. Yeah. What are you gaining? Right. It's so ridiculously bad. Like, yeah. like best case scenario, they hold him to a punt. They get the ball. They still got to score a touchdown. Yeah. Ter- against the Patriots terrible. in that terrible weather. Like, I could not believe that. And, and, and who was announcing that game? They didn't, they didn't even talk about it. The NFL announcers are so bad. They don't pick up on the most obvious things. I'm sitting there shouting at the TV, why are you kicking? Because, dude, I don't even care. I had the Patriots. 
I wanted the Cowboys to win that game. Like I, that's how much of a, a boner I, I get when the when the Patriots lose. And that's one of those. I hope I lose yes, this one, dude. I, I seriously, I was like, I don't even care about this game. But, what? So so not only did they not win it, but also they kicked the field goal to screw me out of the cover. Like just so ridiculous. And what I said last year, or what I said last week, should have totally been what happened, where they where they were down by seven and they come back like they. They go for it on fourth down. They hold the Patriots, and then they they should have went. That's how the game should have went. It didn't. Whatever. Garrett should be fired. I think we're all in agreement about that. But does this win cover up again for how bad Tom Brady is this year? He's bad. He he, he is bad. And I he's think trustable, but he's I, bad. I I think if you're the Patriots or Patriots fans. You absolutely should be concerned about this offense. Yes. The defense, it doesn't matter how great the defense is. Like, I get it. Like, if the other team doesn't score kind of thing. But it's football. Random things happen. And there's – I mean, they, 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 they can be great in all the other elements of the game. How about Matthew Slater? Like, he's fantastic with that block punt again showing up. Like, uh, I was watching the commentary. I think it was Rondé Barber. Um, and he was just like, this is definitely the guy that you block. This is definitely the guy that you block. Right. If you're going to block one guy on that special teams unit, it's that guy. And he comes up with a big play that probably changes the game. But when you get in, in an opportunity in the playoffs, if they have to face the Ravens, it's like, hey, you got to come up with up a few points here because Lamar Jackson is going to he's gonna be able to do something. He, yep. he, might, he might turn the ball over. He might play poorly. But at some point in time, they're going to have a busted play, and he's going to make something freakish happen and score some points. Or if they have to play – uh, Kansas City, you know Kansas City's going to score. So they got to figure this offense out, and they got to do it quick. For sure. New England's kind of – they haven't seen the offense sputter this bad. But at, for them, yeah, obviously there's going to be some concern, but you have to have trust in Brady's going to figure it out. Um, I hope to God he doesn't. Um, I, I I really don't have too much to say. I think they're going to be fine. They, they've cakewalked their way to where they need to be. And then what you're talking about is Bill Belichick has to outcoach people and get his team ready for two games to get to the Super Bowl once again. Um, so they're they're making that slate easy. Um, I'm, I'm I'm sure they'll figure it out and hopefully lose. Who, who scares you from their receiving core though? Who scares you? Nobody. Nobody. Mohamed Sanu might shift around, you know, but there's plenty he's of teams hurt. that can cover him. Um, then you've got Edelman, I guess, but he doesn't look like he's he's on top of his. Should have made things work they, with Brown. They, they don't have a tight end. That can, they don't have a tight end right now that that threatens you. And they're, I mean, so James White, I guess, is their best pass catcher, uh, and he doesn't even he's not even on the field all the time. Their offensive line has been dinged up all year, so they they're not impressive. I don't know that they're going to be able to just run the ball if I want to make them stop the run. Like that's what I'm going to do: stack the box. Stop the run, force Tom Brady to beat me over the For top sure. with no wide receivers that can threaten it. I guess Nikhil Harry, we'll see what he's got. Um, this is your time, boy. Here's here's where the Patriots the Patriots have made a lot of managing mistakes this year. Um, here's the first one in the draft, going out and getting Nikhil Harry. Terrible. I I I I I said it to you guys right when it happened. I thought that was a terrible pick. I, I think Nikhil Harry has a solid career. Don't get me wrong. Um, here's the thing though. They should have went out and tried to get Hawkinson, tried to get Fant, and I, I know they would have had to trade up to get both those guys, but, dude, who else could they have gotten? Irv Smith, who I have been saying, and I, it's kind of awkward, but he's Aaron Hernandez reincarnate. He's like a wide receiver playing the tight end position. So he can block. He's super athletic. I think he's the big. He's one of the biggest steals in the draft. The Vikings may have gotten two of some of the biggest steals in that draft, which are 
Alexander Madison and Irv Smith. Irv Smith is absolutely a first-round talent. He's going to get better and better and better and better. I'm so excited for that guy. Imagine if the Patriots had Irv Smith right now. He might be their number one receiver right now. Also, if you're the Patriots, you had opportunities of the trade deadline to go out there and trade for a tight end. O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard would be an amazing fit with this team. Or even if you wanted to go the other way with Cameron Brait, he would fit well with that system. There's plenty of other guys that you could go throughout the league that you could find a better tight end situation that you have. I mean, Ryan Izzo is a Florida State guy, and I think that he has potential in that offense to develop, but he's not ready yet. To their credit, they did try and get O.J. Howard, and I think the Bucks got a little overstubborn because clearly O.J. Howard doesn't work in the Bucks' offense. Pay, it's very obvious. Pay the price. For sure. Uh, but I don't know. The, the, pri- the price of it, two first-round picks is not worth it for O.J. Howard for me. No. Uh, was that the actual rumored price? I, they, they apparently offered him a, a first-round. That, that, that's what was rumored was that they offered him a first-round pick, and they denied it. Well, I, I think at that time— So what they, was the request then? Did you, did you get any feedback on that? It, it's, it's all rumored. They, like, they, don't, they don't actually have to release what was offered but apparently a first round pick was offered and here, here's the thing OJ Howard clue doesn't, doesn't work in the Bucks offense I no, think Bilicek I don't now think tight ends work in that offense I think the Bilicek knows that he's kind of got the Bucks on their heels a little bit he's probably going to come in the offseason and try and offer OJ Howard's not going to work in that offense at all so they, the Bucks might as well get rid of him if, if, if indeed they were offered a first-round pick and they denied it, that's a big mistake on the Bucks' part. But it's also— Shocking Jason Light makes a bad decision. Yeah, uh, I, but maybe it was Arians. Maybe he, maybe he's like, no, I think he's a really good talent. He's one of their best blockers, let's face it. At the, he's at a really the end, good blocker. At, at the end of the day, uh, Jason Light is the one making those decisions, and you can use a tackle to block for the tight end position. Yeah, so. O.J. Howard, man, it's just w- w- probably the biggest bust in fantasy this year. I mean, going in, a lot of people thought he'd be a top five tight end. Certainly was not that. Imagine my fantasy football team that is in first place with a, a good O.J. Howard. Are you in first place? Oh, yeah. Second well, place, right? No, in the keeper league. I'm oh, in Jesus. First place. I, I have more points than you, and I'm in, I'm in friggin' fourth place. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Anyways, so let's move on. Uh, we're going to launch into our games again to let you know about our format. Uh, we pick six games, two games of the 1 o'clock, two games of the 4 o'clock, and then the two primetime games. Uh, this week's obviously a little bit different, and we are going to launch into the Thanksgiving games. Uh, but to start out, and this is one of the, our six games, San Francisco at Baltimore, the game of the week. We, and, the, and the line does not reflect how great this game is. But San Francisco-Baltimore, what are your guys' takes on this game and, and how great is this game going to be? But Vegas doesn't seem to think it's going to be that great. Um, how about the disrespect? Um, the Sharks love Baltimore, and there's no reason not to love Baltimore. They're playing fantastic on both sides of the ball. Yep. Um, but I'm, I'm assuming that the great-minded Kyle Shanahan and that awesome defense is going to take this very personally, and they should. Yes. What a joke. Give me Just like I t- we loved Seattle against San Francisco with six points, way too much. Give me the Niners plus six all day long. Yeah, I'm taking the Niners. That defense is way too good. Uh, they'll, they'll find a way to keep the game close, and I believe in Kyle Shanahan as an offensive mind to design and develop enough ways for them to score points. Um, I'm not for sure that they're going to win the game. Uh, they very well may lose it, but they're going to cover the six. Uh, the, the way that they play defense and they absolutely harassed Aaron Rodgers, that defensive line is so good. Yeah, like I wrote an article about it this uh, earlier this year, and going into the writing of the article when I had the concept of it, I was kind of just going to take a look and see what, how good they were, and I was shocked at how good they were. And then you start to look at some of these pieces, and they've just got – talented players all across the board on that defense so 
Uh, and then Kyle Shanahan, I just... Is anybody better at designing a running game than him? Like, he, he just finds ways to design successful run plays. It doesn't matter who the running back is. Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, Jeff Collins, or whoever his name is, Jeff Wilson, whatever. It doesn't matter. He's going to run the ball on you. So, to me, I'm going to take San Francisco covering the six all day. It does matter, apparently, to Shanahan because he's paying his running backs a lot of money. Between Tevin Coleman, McKinnon, and you know what's funny, though? Here, let's just talk about this with Kyle Shanahan. Everyone thought he was an idiot going to the league. What are you doing with all these running backs? As it turns out, McKinnon's not going to play a single down. Uh, Breda's having some serious injuries and all year. Bre- Matt Breda was an undrafted free agent, by the way. But, but Breda's super fast. He's got a lot of talent, um, and he can certainly use them. But bringing in Tevin Coleman is going to turn out to be a, a huge difference because people thought McKinnon – I looked at that backfield, I'll, I'll be honest, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? And, and dude, here, here's my thing about Shanahan. Let's look back at last year when he had his – third-string quarterbacks dropping dimes in his Nick system. Mullins. George Kittle broke the tight end record almost effortlessly last year. I mean, it wasn't effortlessly, but do you know that it was broken and then he rebroke it? Travis Kelsey broke the tight end record last year. I don't, know, I don't know. A lot of people might not even know this. Travis Kelsey actually broke the record last year, and then Kittle rebroke it. That's I don't even know if that's ever happened before, where, where one player breaks the all-time record, record yeah. and then another player comes in and breaks it, and that's with the third-string quarterback. Give me San Francisco all day on this game. I love them so much with George Kittle. George Kittle, how exciting is that guy? He's a monster. Dude, just his face. like He's like one of those guys. Like Imagine being with that guy in the huddle, and like you're like, you call, did you see that play where he had, uh, I don't even know what that route is. You know what I'm talking about, where Post they corner. had. Post corner. Yes. Dude. That was such a beautifully designed play. Um, George Kittle, imagine imagine being in that huddle. You see George Kittle, he's from okay. Iowa. He's got those like bright eyes, and he's I like one of those guys. I loved him coming out of Iowa, by Dude, the way. Dude, he's – you. He, I, I, I love Fant. I love Hawkinson. I, apparently, uh, Iowa's tight end you now. K- Kirk Ferentz is a master at developing tight ends. Tight ends, offensive linemen. Uh, they just – they build them beefier. And apparently fast now. And Dallas Iowa. Clark. Don't forget Dallas Clark. I don't think fans from Iowa, but ha- is, he? is he? He's actually from Iowa. Uh, well, they, they they went to Iowa University. No, and yeah. I'm saying, are yeah, you, yeah, but I'm Kittle's from Iowa. So oh, yeah, he, he's cornbread all day. Yeah, no. So anyways, Kittle's amazing. But I, I'm saying, like, imagine being in a huddle and you call play to Kittle. And he's like that guy. Uh, did you ever see that press conference when he wanted to go to, like, SmackDown? And he was, like, trying to get the the uh, the – the press conference over with because he wanted to go see the WWE. Like, there's so much love about that guy. He's he's just a, dy- a d- dynamic guy. I think they beat Seattle with him in, with him in that game. I think that they go out and beat Seattle later this year. That's going to be such a close division. Uh, I think C- Seattle ultimately ultimately wins it. But I love Seattle with Kittle and at six points. What an embarrassment, Vegas, dude. Also, the first time in ten years that a team at at ten and one has ever gone into a game as an underdog. Just, it, it's shocking. Yep. But also, I get it. Yeah, I do get it. I mean, it, but you watch that game, Ravens blow out the Rams. But, dude, San Francisco just blew out the Packers. So, anyways, I'm moving on from that because I I, I think that that's my lock of the week. That's uh, absolutely a lock I of think the San Francisco week. could win that game. That, that might even be an interesting money line play. Yeah, they're going to be almost like 275 probably. So, let's, it's the Ginzer take of the week. Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Cleveland is favored by one and a half on the road against Pittsburgh. By the by the way, 
are there any statistics? How long has that been? So that's it's got to be decades. Um, it has never happened with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. Oh, I guarantee. There's, I have no doubt about that. <laughs> I, I, I would probably say. Like um, early nineties, maybe. I, I was gonna say eighty nine to early nineties. No, lo- no later than ninety three. Right, right in that little window, late eighties yeah. or early nineties. So Cleveland favored by one and a half. Marcus Yenzer take for the week. Thank you for giving me duck. Um, it's the best coaching decision Mike Tomlin's made this year. Um, <laughs> our defense is that good, um, even with we can't move the football at all, and we're, we've been in games winning games. Um, Ducks might have a turnover too, but he's going to do it at 100 million miles an hour, and we have the defensive NFL MVP at safety. Um, we're, we're evening up this series, and we're staying high, hot in the hunt. Go Steelers. I don't have too much to say about this game. Uh, I, I'm shocked at, th- at this line, to be honest. Uh, I would assume it would absolutely be the other way around. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh uh, at home, home, home dogs against the Cleveland Browns. Like, get out of here. I gotta say, I love what I'm seeing out of Cleveland, and I I, I truly believe. I watched uh, Freddie Kitchens, who I've been so critical about all year. I, I still think they should bail on that guy, uh, but the talent is finally coming together. They lost their best player, so that that's a huge aspect of this game that I think is a little bit underrated going in. I've been reading, I've read a lot of articles about this game this week, and the majority of people seem to be going with Pittsburgh. I am going with Cleveland. I think I think that Cleveland is on a hot run. I think Baker Mayfield is getting it together, which is so interesting to me. If they have Miles Garrett, I think it's 100% they win this game. But give me Cleveland, one and a half. I think they win the game by maybe a field goal. I think it's it's going to be one of those really it's going to be an ugly game. You know what I'm saying? Pittsburgh defense really is that good. It, it, it's going to be a game that whoever every every player that walks off of that field is going to be hurting come Monday, Tuesday. Here, here's what Cleveland should do in the offseason. If they don't make the playoffs, which I don't think they do, fire Kitchens, go get Robert Salah from San Francisco. Dude, how great would that be? You got Miles Garrett. Like, Miles Garrett would be his new Bosa. Like, think, just think about the possibilities. And, and by the way, is, Salah, is he not one of the number one uh, Top two. head Oh, for sure. Head coaching prospects going into next year. That guy is just far exceeded all expectations. Amazing. He's amazing. He's, he's, he, his scheme is ridiculous. He, he's, he's very he's very smart. Very smart in what he's doing. That defense is outperforming its talent, I think, right now. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think Salah is absolutely a head coach next year in the NFL. He's not the only defensive coordinator that's going to get a head coaching job this year. Uh, this past cycle, we only saw one, Vic Fangio, and – it's not gone great for Denver, but I don't blame that on Vic Fangio. The defense um, was vastly improved. Yeah, the def- the defense is playing really well, uh, and I, I give Fangio Their a GM lot. went on and got Flacchio. Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flacchio. Yeah. Yes. I, like I said, it is not Vic Fangio's fault, but I, I do think that we get more defensive coordinators hired as head coaches in this cycle. Also, I think you're probably going to get Chris Richard uh, down in Dallas. He's probably gone um, regardless of what happens with Jason Garrett. So, If I'm – just speaking of the Broncos, if, if I'm the Broncos owner, I go to John Elway and I have a serious talk about him. I, I, I say, I say I don't want to fire you, but we need to move on. They, do you guys not agree that the, the Broncos need to move on from John Elway? Like, I think they got the right coach in place. They need they need a different GM because they need to draft a good quarterback. And I, th- I think you need to give them one more year. The, the quarterback they drafted has been hurt all year, um, and obviously Flacco was just a terrible move. I, th- I think you got. I think you give him at least one more year. 
because they, they've been close. Uh, but this obviously was a huge backstep for them. Uh, give them one more year, um, see how they do in the offseason, and then kind of make your move from there. I actually don't think Brandon Allen's all that bad. Yeah, um, but he's just – And, I, you know, I think he can be a serviceable, serviceable backup. But, serviceable but, doesn't make it in the but, NFL. But if I'm the Broncos, you absolutely have to address the quarterback position, and you need another veteran. Like, you got to bring – there's going to be some opportunities for some guys out there this year. you got to go find one and go get one. Name the last serviceable quarterback that won a Super Bowl. And you can't even go Flacco because Flacco had one of the greatest playoff performances of all time. He played like an elite player for one season. You cannot deny that about Flacco when they won the Super Bowl. So maybe Eli Manning, I, like, I, I don't know. But no, even he, he was, had these he was playing pay, well. clutch Peyton, moments. Yeah. Peyton Manning during his last Super Bowl run was pretty yeah, serviceable. That's actually great. That's a, that's a great call. I like that. All right, so let's launch into my favorite game of the week to talk about. Minnesota at Seattle. Seattle's favored by three, as they should be. Give me Seattle by. Anyways, uh, Seattle's favored by three. Seattle's at home. By the way, Seattle has had so many matchups against Minnesota over the last six years. It's crazy. We seem to always match up with them because we, we've been winning our divisions a lot. And so, obviously, we're going to get matchups with them. They've annihilated us every single time. We, are, we get destroyed by them. We now have Kirk Cousins. What are you guys' thoughts on this game? Who are you taking? This is the hardest one of the week for me. Um, it's hands down the hardest one. When you look at it, just looking at the numbers sense, you're look, talking about two of the top four quarterbacks in rating, yards, touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera. Huh? I'm, as a, in a numbers sense. Yeah, for uh, sure. But you have two teams that are have been. Not anymore, by the way. Kirk Cousins dropped out of the top five. Oh, did he? Week. Yeah. Uh, um, Still, he's having a great yeah, season. Yeah, great, great season. But but as a whole, both teams haven't been fully consistent. They're boasting great records, but they've slacked at times. Um, man, I'm honestly gonna have to flip a coin, and it's so hard to bet against Russell Wilson. Give me Captain Kirk, and I'm thinking this is gonna be a push game. Um, give me Captain Kirk. Nope. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna definitely go the other way on that one. Seattle yes. at home. Uh, it's gonna be loud. It's gonna be raucous. Seattle is a, they're they're in the gunning. They're in the gun for potentially to get into. You know, if if, if they can overcome, beat San Francisco again, they're a, they're a driver's seat team for a bye. Uh, and you know how Seattle is when they have home playoff games. So, uh, get, yeah, I'm I'm definitely taking Seattle. The real MVP uh, conversation candidate in this game, not Kirk Cousins. Yeah, definitely Russell actually. Wilson. Uh, I mean, I, I saw it out floated out there this week that. That Kirk Cousins was a, should be an MVP candidate, and uh, just almost spit up, like, spit up everything that I had in my mouth. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, for me, it's Seattle, and it's not close. If you had to rank the best players on Minnesota, Kirk Cousins would be like fourth to me. Anyways, that, my, that my, might be that might be a, put, a my, stretch. I don't think so. I'm saying worse. He might be worse than fourth. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right, yeah, dude. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Newman, dude. Kirk Cousins is still Kirk Cousins, folks. I've been, I've been as, I'm a Vikings fan. I, I hope he goes out and plays this game that he's not capable of on Monday night. He's not going to do it, folks. He has never won a Monday night game in his life. He's 0-7. This is not just a typical Monday night game. This is going into Seattle to play Russell Wilson. Seattle, they've scrambled in some games. Like they, it's, All their games have been close. They have not been winning convincingly, but they've been winning. They're one of these teams that they just fucking win, and they're going to win this game by a large margin. Here's what Kurt... Let me, let me quote two different games this year. 
We go to Kansas City and we play the Mahomesless Chiefs. Kirk Cousins looks terrible in that game. He has he has this one play where he clearly could have just scampered for the first down, slides for no reason, could have taken the, the slightest bit of contact and gotten the first down. That one play influenced that first half of that game so ridiculously that it it, it, it ruined our chances for the rest of the game. It, it wrecked our momentum in that drive. It wrecked our momentum in the first half. We never got it back together. We looked terrible the rest of the game. Chicago, I was at this game. Kirk Cousins is just throwing these blanks. And it's just, I just was just looking over at my wife the entire time, and I'm just like, this is, this is away Kirk Cousins. Shame on us for going to see a live game, <laughs> the Vikings, to play in Chicago. By the way, Chicago is an average team this year, and they played that whole game with their backup quarterback, which, by the way, was the best thing that happened to Chicago in that game. But we're not even going to go into this. Seattle by a million in this game, folks. I don't know if you can like buy negative points. I don't even I don't even know how that betting works. I would buy more points for for Seattle. You can. I, yeah, you you can tease dude, it. You can if you can win score. more money doing that. I think Seattle can. wins this game by such a wide margin. Now, obviously, I hope that the opposite happens, and I hope I lose this. I hope I lose this. Kirk Cousins, if you step up, dude, you will change my mind about everything that you are. But you're not going to. You're gonna fall flat. Our defense is not going to look good. Our defense has been a weak spot the whole year, uh, and we are going to lose this game by a lot of points. It's going to be a blowout. I, I, I think I think it's going to see a lot of Dalvin Cook. Uh, you're going to see a lot of Dalvin Cook. Hopefully. Yeah. This could definitely be one of those like spectacular Vikings games that you're used to. Maybe they drive down. Maybe Seattle kicks the, the field goal at the end right. to finally give us our first push. Or maybe our boy Kirk does something spectacular. Nope. Let me finish. So they, they <laughs> drive down, they score a touchdown, and instead of going for the extra point to tie it, they go for two, and he throws an interception. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, so, so they die in spectacular fashion. Dude, do, do you know Mike Zimmer at all? There's not a chance he goes for two in that situation. Well, and, and you were talking about Delvin Cook. So I don't even know how I, how I conveniently forgot this. Kirk Cousins' second worst game of the year against the Packers in Lambeau Field in great conditions. Everybody else in the Vikings was playing lights-out football besides the first quarter. Dalvin Cook went fucking off that game. He had an 80-yard scamper. Should have put them back in the game. Kirk Cousins, I don't know if you saw the play. He was scrambling out to the right. He th- should have thrown it away. Threw this fucking prayer in the end zone. Got picked off. That was a game. We, w- we were so much more dominant than them that entire game, despite Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Kirk Cousins on the road is a different player. Kirk Cousins in Seattle... I don't even know if he's ever played in Seattle. He is going to fail so epically, folks. I don't even care about the bye week, whatever. Uh, one thing about Zimmer, my biggest knock, is he's not a good game He's not a good game prep guy. He's really good at making in-half adjustments, but he gets outplayed so many times in the first quarter of games. I'm telling you, we're going to get blown out in this game, folks. Blown out. Walk of the week, by the way. <laughs> Seattle beating Minnesota is my walk of the week. And it kills me to say it. So let's go into the Chicago games, or the, the, the Thanksgiving games. Uh, Chicago uh, favored by two and a half against Detroit. What's your guys' take? Let's make this quick. Uh, this is actually in the very similar boat as Baltimore-San Francisco. And if you guys look, this might be the absolute first time in NFL history, and this is why I'm going to go with Chicago, that one team has had a quarterback not get – 
kicked from the starting role to bench or not not playing within 24 hours of the game. Jeff Driscoll is out with an injury. So they're bringing in their third-string quarterback. So that line has banged up to over four and a half. Wow. So give me Chicago. But that's twice. Stafford did it the, sure. the day of, and this is within 24 hours. Yeah. D- yeah, David Blau uh, out of Purdue is going to be your starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions. I just saw the alert come across my phone. Um, he's... Th- the classic absolutely mediocre you like i said brandon allen's serviceable quarterback we don't know what david blau is he might be awful uh give me chicago all day there's not a chance that detroit does anything uh a tradition like any other uh thanksgiving tradition you know detroit gonna host the playoff game or gonna host the game and they're probably gonna lose yeah <laughs> yeah there's, there's there's so many certainties in nfl and detroit losing on thanksgiving day is one of them uh, give me Chicago all day. That's an easy one. Buffalo, Dallas. Dallas favored by, favored by seven. Uh, let, let's just talk about it real briefly. Bills at eight and three. Worst eight and three team you've ever seen? No. Um, they're not. They're, they're missing pieces on, uh, at wide receiver. But you just like the New England, hey, listen, you, you rely on your defense. You tried not to make turnovers on offense, and you hand the ball off to a 94-year-old running back. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember specifically teams that are eight and three back in the history of my. Uh, <laughs> that's not that's not a knowledge point that I keep that I keep saved up. Um, I know the Bills. They're they're a pretty good team. They're not a great team. No. And so eight and threes, you know, on that borderline of being good to great kind of point. Right. Um, I'm gonna take them to cover the seven points here against Dallas. Uh, I think their defense is good enough to hold down the Cowboys offense similar to the way the Patriots did. They Sean McDermott is a really good defense coordinator, uh, their head coach, and they're going to copy, you know, the Patriots game plan. Um, the Patriots may wind up winning this game, but it's not going to be by seven points. Who'd or, you go with, Marcus? I'm sorry, the Cowboys yeah, might the Cowboys. win this game, but it's not going to be by seven yeah, points. Yeah, seven's just too many points. Um, I think it's going to be low scoring. Um, Dallas has the potential to blow this one out of the water, but um, seven points is just too much for me not to take it. So I'll take Buffalo. Agreed. Give me the Bills in this game. Uh, I think the Cowboys' defense has been pretty unspectacular. Um, is What's his name? Their linebacker, is he playing? I doubt it. I don't think he is playing, right? So, yeah, definitely give me the Bills in this game. Uh, New Orleans favored by seven on the road against Atlanta. Uh, I'm actually pretty – this is an interesting game, I think. Uh, New Orleans favored by seven. Do not bet against New Orleans. Yeah, they got smoked against Atlanta, and we watched Atlanta choke against Tampa. Um, I think this is a revenge and statement game for the Saints and Sean Payton. Um, you know, I, th- I think they're gonna be like, "Hey, you got away with it," but you know, Daddy's back in town. Saints are gonna blow the doors off Atlanta. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you right there. Uh, I think it's definitely uh, they're they're angry about what happened uh, a few weeks ago, and they're gonna come out uh, and and really take it to them. Also, Atlanta, you know, their running back situation's up in the air. Devontae Freeman is expected to play but who knows how effective he's going to be. Also, that running game's not very good. I think the Saints have a pretty good defense, and they're going to be able to score points. Give me the Saints to cover the seven. Yeah, uh, Devontae Freeman was horrible before he went out. I mean, he was averaging like 3.5, 3.6 yards a carry. Even if he comes back, I don't think they're better off for it. Brian Hill's really bad, but I think Devontae Freeman's just as bad. Uh, give me New Orleans for sure. New Orleans has been sputtering, and I think they get it together. I love Sean Payton. He's a great coach. I think they definitely get it together. Oakland at Kansas City will get right back to our games. I think this game is really interesting. Kansas City by 10 against a decent Oakland team, but a team that got embarrassed last week. Really fucking embarrassed last week. Like, 
Can we talk about how bad that game was for Oakland last week? J-E-T-S. Jets. That was, Jets. Dude, the Jets, Jets are hot, so, so The hottest team in football, the, you could argue. The, the, the way that... The way the, the way the Jets Baltimore yeah. the, the the way the Jets defense had played you know you go into fantasy man Tyrell Williams and Josh Jacobs well we're gonna light it up we're set combined seven points um, but they Oakland came off a win and if we've learned one thing from Oakland this year is they're consistently inconsistent ten points is too much Patrick Mahomes is a stud and I think Kansas City blew the doors off him earlier this year I think they beat him by three touchdowns. Um, uh, come on, Gruden. Give me a bounce-back game. Cover to 10. Give me Oakland. Plus, oh, that's weird the way you set that up. Double digits on the road. One time, Gruden. And let me get some fantasy points You're while we're at You're taking Raiders. It. I'm taking the Raiders plus 10. Uh, yeah, as much as I really want to go Kansas City in this game because I really think that they're the much better team, 10 points is way too many. Uh, I'm going to take the Raiders. Um, but Kansas City, meet at, like, you have to win this game. Like yeah. that, there's there, you can't you can't mess around. So, and their running game has struggled this year. There's been issues with injuries and mediocre play out of it. So, uh, killing out the game if they do have a lead could be difficult. But uh, I still like them to get to get ahead and stay ahead. So, but I expect Kansas City to win. But o- Oakland's going to cover. I love what I saw out of Mahomes last week in a Tyreek Hill-less offense. Tyreek Hill comes back this week. He's apparently full force. He's been practicing. Like apparently nobody really has any worries about him. I think that the hamstring injury was 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 uh, actually really minor, yeah. and apparently they didn't bring him back on because of field conditions. Dude, NFL. Thank you. If for you that. if you have another fucking game in, in Mexico City, you're you you are. Dude, how how trash is that fucking game? Well, last year do away with it. Last do away year with they it. didn't even play exactly. It. Dude, that that fucking um, yeah. game needs needs to be exterminated. 100. I, I can't believe that they're still doing it. Not only is it the elevation, which is higher than any field in the NFL, so you're taking these these players out of their high. elements, dude. What the NFL what the NFL is doing, like they're stretching out these London games, they're doing more and more London games. I think it's bullshit. The NFL has become this money hungry, uh, and it's really ruining the product. I think that that Chargers Kansas City game could have been so much better played in San Diego, or, or sorry, LA. Uh, actually, technically, Orange County. Um, but, dude, give me the Chiefs in this game. With Tyreek Hill coming back, I love Mahomes in this game. Um, you guys both win Oakland, right? Yep. Yes. Thank God. Yes, I'm taking the Chiefs. So, let's move on. L.A. Chargers, two and a half. Favored by two and a half against Denver. I think it's kind of interesting with how bad the Chargers have been. Denver's been really bad, too. But, man, Chargers may have been even worse this year. What do you, what do you got to take on this game? I'm just going to make my pick in two words. Derwin James. Give me the Chargers. Yeah, Derwin James coming back is, a, is an absolute game changer. He's a wrecking crew all by himself. He makes up for any deficiencies that any defense has. Um, the Chargers have had moments where they have played really well, specifically against the Packers. Um, now, granted, the Packers' offensive line is trash, and they took complete advantage of that. But I expect uh, them to be able to beat Denver. Um, <clears throat> there's nothing that scares me about Denver's offense, and as good as their defense is, Phillip Rivers and that that that's, that L.A. offense will find a way to put up enough points. Um, especially, I expect uh, Melvin Ingram and uh, Austin Eckler to have really, really good games uh, in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield because uh, Denver just can't cover the running backs. My two biggest slam dunks this week are Seattle at three and the Chargers at two and a half. 
what, what, let me just make a little analogy here or comparison. Minka Fitzpatrick going to the absolutely terrible Steelers this year. Who were just they looked like they were done, dead, right? Dead in the water. Comes back, come come in. All of a sudden they win what four or five games in a row. Doesn't matter. They came back in. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick changed their entire game. The safety position has become more and more important over the last. 20 years than it ever was. I mean, it's, it's always been a very important position, but it's becoming like even more important. And when you got, when you got guys like Derwin James, Mika Fitzpatrick, Harrison Smith, uh, I could go on and on about different safeties that just control the game. And when they're gone, it's just, it leaves such an impact. Clearly the charges have been reeling all year long uh, by not having them. Give me the charges all day. It's probably my, my best bet of the week. For sure. So New England at Houston, very interesting game. New England's favored by three at Houston. What's your guys' pick, guys? Oh, uh, shoot me. I'm going to hopefully re- not regret this one. Give me Houston at home. Uh, they, 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 they're just another team I can't figure out. I don't want to figure out. Um, hopefully they have just enough pieces. But uh, it's a three-point dog. Could be another push game. It's going should be a low-scoring game. Houston plus the points. Yeah, so uh, I'm also going to take Houston. I don't necessarily agree that it is going to be a low-scoring game. Um, Stefan Gilmore has will probably be matched up and covering DeAndre Hopkins all day. But Will Fuller is healthy, and he looks really good. He does. Deshaun Watson and his ability and his the fact that he's a mobile quarterback, his ability to break the pocket and gain yards as needed, um, is going to present an issue for that Patriots defense, and I'm just not convinced the Patriots uh, offense is going to be able to score. So I, I'm going to take Houston. Uh, this is actually my game that I would take Houston money line. They're going to win this game outright. So um, let me ask you a question. If you're if you're the Patriots, you put Gilmore on Hopkins or Fuller? Um, it's it's Hopkins all day, I'd imagine, uh, because he is he can't run with Fuller. Fuller is more of a deep route guy. Gilmore's going to be covering Hopkins they, on every they can route. They could coverage with the McCourty brothers uh, for, for Will Fuller. Um, but that's still going to leave plenty of options open for uh, whether it be the tight ends or the slot receivers or, you know, back out of the backfield, et cetera. But I expect I expect them to move them around. I, I play an even coverage on both Fuller and Hopkins. Hopkins has been weirdly disappointing this year. He, he's such a great player, don't get me wrong. But I think that the chemistry between Fuller and, and uh, Watson has always been there. I fear that matchup. Dude, when Fuller is healthy and Watson is healthy, that it's it's better than... It's because it's because Hopkins is there taking, taking, taking that brunt. For sure, but man, dude, Watson has been putting up some numbers recently. I'm taking the Pats in this game, though. The, the pat the pats they just they keep showing again time after time that they can time after time. T- listen they <laughs> I, I think that this is a game that Houston gets out coached I don't like Bill O'Brien Brian I don't know what you got you guys thoughts are on Bill O'Brien I I trust that Bill Belichick out coaches him in this game which is why I'm taking the pats I have so many doubts about the pats especially their offense but in the end I have a lot of doubts about Houston too their defense looks terrible at times yeah. and I, I think if, if if New England can get the running game going they still have a thousand running backs that they can go to if they can just run it down their throats and control the game clock in this game I like them in this game New England's most successful and just as a lot of teams are two running back sets uh, because you force the defense into an extra linebacker 
that can't cover that running back. Um, and and that, that's where you'll notice when New England has their most success, it, whether it be uh, James White and Sonny Michelle or Rex Burkhead mixed in, in or out, uh, th- that's where they're most successful. Sure. And, and any formation, just two running back sets. All right, folks. Well, we are just at the top of the hour. So, as always, we like to wrap it up here. Um, I want to pass it around. Um, let's give your closing thoughts. It can be sports-related or non. Uh, what do you guys got? Um, I hope you guys are going to take my advice, set those uh, scales back, eat, enjoy your family time, be blessed, be thankful, and uh, enjoy your holidays and enjoy the football weekend. Five and Odell. What? Five and Odell. What does it mean? Florida State's going to beat the Gators. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. And I'm, I'm also a Florida State fan. That's definitely not going to happen. We're going to get annihilated in that game. It's just going to be bad. If we do, though, holy shit, hire Odell, right? Yes. <laughs> Anyways, um, my take of the week is I'm really disappointed in Marcus with his, uh, with his Minnesota pick. Like, dude, you're so much smarter than that. I trust you in all things gambling, and I, I'm, I can't wait to talk to you about this game how wrong you are and dude i hope you're right i fucking hope you're right but you're not this is definitely not one of the ones i'm investing a lot of money in um, i wouldn't <laughs> but but it's more of an exciting game for me to watch um but i'm i'm, I'm riding the chargers but i this, i, I want to i have to watch this this is i'm watching seattle minnesota evaluating everything as i go um but i know I, we'll see I, i'd love to watch it with you if you want to on monday absolutely man i'm definitely down so let's close it out here uh please go on our podcast like follow share we love you all thank you for joining us tonight have a great thanksgiving have a great weekend best week of football there is so love you guys have a great night oh.